SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Lisa Burkhart Worley, and welcome to Pop Talk, the show where you never know what topics might pop up. Today, we're going to hit on a topic that we have not discussed before, and that is narcissism. Let me give you a definition of narcissism before we move on. Merriam Webster describes it as extremely self centered with an exaggerated sense of self importance, marked by or characteristic of excessive admiration of or infatuation with. One self. If you live around a person like this, it can really affect your self-esteem or your spirit. So we're going to speak to a woman today who survived a childhood environment with a narcissist. Our guest today is Coral Hahn. She's a poetry author, a film producer, and an editor. She wrote the book, A Heart of Ink, A Journey from Darkness to Understanding. And she studied at the art institutes where she majored in film, cinema, and video studies. Thanks for joining us on Pop Talk, Coral. From the bio that I looked at, it sounds like you grew up with some understanding of Christianity, mainly because of your mom. Tell us about your mother's impact on your life. My mother had a very good impact on my life. She, um, let's see, from the time I was young, she would play the auto harp. Uh, When I was in the womb, like I would be kicking and and such. And when I was three to four years old, maybe five, I'd be dancing around and she'd play scriptural music. And I didn't really have an understanding of, you know, from what she was studying or, you know, what she was um, singing about, but I just, you know, it was a very, uh, the harp is a beautiful instrument uh, as is. And so it just was such a delight to, um, to have that early connection with her. That's beautiful. I love it that your mom played music to you. And uh, my mom was a harp player as well, not an auto harp, but a regular harp. Yes. And and so we had a harp in our home. I never really heard her play it much. That's another story. But uh, uh, she she did play it one time. And so I'm sure it just uh, you came out singing (laughs) from the womb. (laughs) But it's not not a gift that I particularly have, even though I'm very gifted in other areas of the arts, but it's definitely something that I deeply appreciate. And music has been a, you know, that early influence of music and Christian music. Um, she would play the Maranatha um, back in the day, <laughs> the Maranatha music. And it was through that, that I began to see in sense that she had a piece about her and she exemplified, you know, the Holy Spirit in her life was very present. And so I I went, you know, what is this piece? Because I know that about eight years old, I remember, I was wrestling with um, issues of the faith, like, you know, and making it your own and not just your parents and such. And I thought, you know, well, gee, mom has peace, but I don't feel this peace in my heart. What can I do about it? And so that was when they had the kind of talk with me about inviting Jesus into my heart. And I said the prayer and I kind of expected oh, you know, maybe something supernatural will happen or, you know, like, am I supposed to feel something or, you know, whatever. And nothing, you know, quote unquote, happened. 
And so I was like, okay, well, I guess that's that. And um, it wasn't until, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, At that time at eight years old, I had also been watching, uh, I think it was, what's what's it called? Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, where they have the hellhound scene. And I was like, I don't want to go there because I was reading the Bible at the that time too. And I I was like, I've I've heard the stories of Samson and Adam and Eve and all this stuff through through Sunday school, but how does this end? And so I went to, <laughs> went to Revelation. And so I'm reading Revelation with the dragon and seeing the visual of the Disney movie. And I'm thinking, oh no, <laughs> you know, like what? I don't want to go there. So so it was, um, it was an interesting time, and uh, it wasn't until several years later, uh, when I was 13, that I almost committed suicide because of the uh, narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, um, more specifically, uh, with one of my parents, my, yes. my father, in this case. Yes, let's get to and that. So, uh, let's get to yeah. that, Coral. I want to ask a question mm-hmm. about that. Uh, you know, you had, let's go back a little bit. You had this beautiful mom who uh, played music for you and you, you had made a commitment to Jesus Christ at age eight, but life yeah. was not so good with your dad as you're about to get into. He represented the narcissistic person in your life. Can you yeah. just give a character sketch of your dad? Well, it's interesting because socially or publicly he would put on, you know, they, they behave, behave, you know, in quotes, like they're very normally, most people um, that I knew, knew him to be, you know, just a normal person or, you know, that he's okay. Or they would, and and some of the family would kind of idolize him Uh, later on in life. I heard, you know, well, how could you do this to your father? He's, you know, this, that, and the other, and he's so wonderful, and he's done this and that. And I'm like, none of us are perfect. But with the narcissist, they, in their minds, they are perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. I would hear my dad say, you know, I don't need to go to counseling. So it would be my mom and or me that would need to go to counseling. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so there, there, there was a, a very, uh, at home, um, especially in, in the uh, junior high years was when it, because I did, I was beaten as a five-year-old. So there was physical abuse, but it was mainly in the junior high years that um, I be, things began peeling back at home. And I remember, even though I don't remember what conversations my mother and father were having or, you know, the topics, I remember the tone. And I remember hearing my mom very calmly, you know, calm tone, addressing things, you know, very patient, very, you know, what have you. And then my dad would, he called it emphasizing a point. And I began thinking, well, you must have a lot of points to emphasize. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at my father, it's just the, the, the idea. And so he would, he would be very loud, very aggressive in his um, tone. And it was very scary because I thought, you know, it was very insecure. It got to a point where my mom, um, we had an incident where I was being a a teenager, a preteen and going through all that puberty stuff. And I remember she just, and she was, she did a very wonderful job at homeschooling me. But there was a time when um, there was a, a, 
occurrence that I had been being a teenager and she had just had it. And she said something, she said, you know, I'm leaving, but she didn't make it clear, you know, whether it was for good or whether it was just to drive around. And I, I, that was when it clicked. I was like, okay, I need to amend my behavior because what if she does, you know, I'm singing, what if she does leave for good? I'm stuck with my dad. And what's that going to look like? I don't want to live with him. I don't want to be alone with him. And so it was very, that was very impactful in my life. And it made me think. Lots of things here that I want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the things I want to ask you is how did you get through the physical abuse? Then the second half of this question is, you know, your mom, you talked about her peace. You eventually found out that peace for yourself. Now you were eight years old when you accepted Jesus, but when you were in junior high school, you attended a church youth group. So tell us about what changed in that youth group. and um, Perhaps how did that get you through some of your dad's behavior? Yes. Um, So backing up a little bit, when I was, when I was five years old and seven years old, my dad did beat me physically. And I, it was then that I learned the difference between discipline and the abuse of quote unquote discipline. Um, my mother would, would, there's a controversial thing, but you know, my mom never, uh, she never delighted in it. I could see that in her face and in her character. She just had to, you know, when I was little, it was like two or three spankings and, you know, we're done. And then it progressed to writing sentences. So there was a sense of, you know, you do this or you don't do this. If you do this, this is the consequences. And, you know, there was a, there was a stability with that. With my dad, he just would go off the handle. And he, he, the first time uh, my mother was on the bed, she was not moving I was all alone. And that was when God stepped in and began to work on my head and heart, letting me know that he saw this too, and that this was not the proper way. Um, And so um, when I was 13, um, I would oftentimes put furniture up against the door because there was no, there was very little privacy in the house. And so it was an unfair um, flip-flopped, you know, I had to knock on other people's door, but, and my mom would knock on my door, but my dad and my sister would oftentimes, you know, barge in. And I, I had to put something up against the door. So there was, there was an incident. This ha- would happen often. So this one time um, when I put the, the furniture against the door and I was alone and crying, I looked at a, a drawing that I'd done, ironically, of Psalm 23, um, where it talks about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and walking through the valley of the shadow of death, um, and, and other parts of it. So I had taken the shard of glass from the framed picture and was going to do, my, do myself in, and God stopped me. He put, like, I don't know whether it was him specifically or an angel or whatever have you, I didn't see anything but I felt a hand on my wrist and he stopped me, he paused me and he showed me spiritually what was going on, that the enemy did want me to kill myself. But then I began, that was, that was when I knew God's love, when he showed up right in time 
and he, he, my soul felt his love. And that was life changing. It is life changing. And I want others to know whether they consider themselves Christian or not, or on the fence about it and faith issues. Like he is trustworthy. And he, there's, there's, <laughs> I, I want people's lives to be changed for, for his glory because it's worth it. Amen. Coral, you know, God can get us through anything, whether it's this kind of thing, uh, abuse, narcissism, or divorce, or whatever it is that is affecting us. Um, God can bring us through it. And if we just rely on him, he can give us the peace that passes all understanding. So you did start going to church, Coral, but yes. that ended because of something your dad did. And you had actually wanted to be baptized, right? Baptized. Your dad, yes. uh, he yep. forbid, forbid that. And so um, yes. how did you handle all that, 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 that trial? Right. So the baptism came about just in brief. Like I said, my mom had peace. But when I was in that youth group, there was a the, uh, somebody my age that I saw, I don't know how to describe it, except that I saw the same, uh, after she was baptized, I saw the same peace and not that she was an angry person or whatever, but it was just a difference that I could see and sense about her. I was like, I want that. This is not just my mom or her generation anymore. It's somebody of my age. So I want that. <laughs> and that was a good thing. Um, and so I was like, I want to be baptized. So I went through the catechism. It was, a, it was a, it, not a Catholic or what, what not church, not that there's, you know, not that I have an issue with them. Um, but just, it was a, it was a Protestant church and we had a catechism. It was a solid teaching doctrine church. And, um, my dad put an end to it. He's like, you're not to go there anymore. They're teaching you wrong. They're brainwashing you. And so he says, you go into the scripture and research baptism for yourself and then come back to me and talk. And I said, okay, well, that seems reasonable. And that's what I did. And that's when I started to realize, even though we didn't have the term narcissistic uh, personality disorder uh, back then, I just knew that something was wrong because I had done what he reasonably asked me to do. And then he, he started to twist things around and spin things around and then prove that, or try to prove that, because my conclusion was the same as theirs, um, that I was brainwashed. I go, this is not, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm reaching the same conclusion because I researched it for myself. So I was forbidden. My mom was forbidden to go back there. Um, she did step up and have a, a pastor friend of his come and, and try to, you know, like we were saying, they were saying, you know, she is 13. She's old enough to make her own decisions. I still wasn't allowed to go to that church, but some things because of the publicity of it, because of the um, people who are now starting to know about this, he kind of stepped down a little bit on that. Um, we didn't go to church for several years. It was very isolating. That's why, in part, you know, that it was so difficult and why I considered suicide at 13. But um, a couple of years later, I did get into, we, my dad led us to a new church. And at first, I, you know, being a teenager, I was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I flat out don't want to go. And part of that was because 
I had been ripped away from everybody that I knew and I didn't want that to happen again. It was a self-preservation. It was like, no, I don't want to go through this again. Um, so I met the pastor. I remember the first day I just, you know, the counselor encouraged me to go. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And the first day, um, I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert, but nonetheless, an introvert. And so this, the, the pastor's son and the pastor's daughter and her boyfriend came right up to me and they're like, we're so glad you're here. And I was like, and they were genuinely glad. I was like, you know what? These are, these people are all right. I, I'll give, you know, and that, that really touched me. That really changed my life that they were, they, they greeted me with friendliness and sweetness. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this church a try. And I made, I made new friends and I kept them for a very long time. Well, that is awesome. So he, he led you to church, which is kind of ironic in light of the situation of him forbidding you to go to your other church, but it was, right. a, you know, God worked good out of a bad situation, right? All things yes. work together for good for those who love the Lord. And he, he planted you in a place where people did care about you and loved you. Now the physical abuse stopped, but how did your dad's narcissism continue to manifest when you were in high school? Well, it was high school and beyond because when I was, um, I want to say it was my, yes, my third year of college, I came, I went to college for about two years and I started hearing things that were happening at home. And at the end of my second year of college, I, I decided, okay, I have, I'm kind of a scholastic burnout anyway. So I'm going to continue college, but I'm going to do it locally at the community college, keep up with my art courses and all that. And, but I'm going to do it from home so that I can help out at home if, if, if need be. And I just, I remember, and I hope this doesn't embarrass my mom. She's a very sweet person. I remember because I didn't know how bad it was until I arrived. She came and got me at the college and brought me home and she started cleaning the floor with a um, paper towel and then started wiping the table with it. And I was, I just gently said, mom, do you know, you know, that you were just wiping the floor with that, right? And she's like, oh my goodness, you know, and it was at that point, I realized I need to stay. I need to stay at least a year to see, you know, to try to help out because she was so um, distraught, you know, and I thought that nobody should have to go through this. And I had been away for two years at college and I had some outside, you know, good influence. And so um, it was a very difficult year. God opened up. It was that I did get baptized that summer and in the ocean. And so uh, God just let me sense his Holy Spirit that day was very beautiful. And so but to getting back to, you know, the the year where um, how my dad continued with this, it was very And it is very serious, you know, the topic that we're talking about, because people can wind up dead or injured um, physically because of people with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, There's a lot of levels and and layers to it, the family dynamic included. Um, So I decided to stay. And that year was to recap on that. God gave me a lot of dreams um, some visions. Um, I want to say very clearly that I do not hate my father. That can be a, a lot of misconception or especially with some of the family that 
I've had. They think that I hate my father. I don't. I just know that his behavior has been dangerous. Um, when I addressed at the end of that year, I, I had a talk with them and I said, Dad, if things do not begin to change, I am leaving. And I won't ever forget this. I was 22 at the time, 21, 22, Ron. And he says, no, you're not. And I took a step back. I was like, wait a minute. What did you just say to me? <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not 13. I'm not 14. I'm not, I'm not a minor anymore. What do you plan on doing? This is not normal to say to somebody. And I, I took a step back and I said, yes, I am. Because I had already made plans to, to move to California at that point. Now, later, skipping a little bit ahead, I did move out. Um, I did move to California. And a couple of years later, I had met a young man. And we, we had a relationship for about mm, two and a half years. And he, he proposed to me. That it, I did not get married to him. We didn't go forward with that. But during the, uh, during the time that he and I were engaged, my dad um, had decided that he wanted to talk to us, not with us, but to us. And um, I, I called him up and I said, I have talked with, you know, at that time, my fiance. And I said, we are not ready right now. I didn't say never. And instead of accepting that, uh, he, he chose to leave Maryland where we were, they were at the time, and fly straight across the country, leave a note for my mom. <laughs> and I, I was really panicked because I, I knew that he was playing psychological games. And I'm thinking to myself, do I, am I really in this position? Do I really need to, am I going to have to get a restraining order from my father? My father of all people? <laughs> like, this is nuts. You know, and because I had said, no, not at this time. I didn't say no, never. No, we're not going to talk to you. I didn't say that. And so it was It was a very interesting weekend, to say the least. My mother kept blowing up my phone with because my father and my sister did not have my number for good reason. And um, so I had said, Mom, I love you. I have to turn my phone off. You shouldn't be the monkey in the middle or whatever term you want to call it. He, he shouldn't be doing this. So, yes, you have to put healthy boundaries. Well, speaking of healthy boundaries, obviously, Coral, um, I, I do know that you realized you were uh, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder due to this. Yes. But, but, but how did God bring you through this? Uh, obviously, you're a, a woman of faith, and you, you gave your life to the Lord. You experienced uh, additional uh, you know, uh, healing in high school. How mm -hmm. has God helped you get over this, um, this family member who is narcissistic? Uh, definitely healthy boundaries. And with, with my dad and my sister I have had to go no contact, um, with, with a number of family members, I've had to go no contact. And I, I want to say that is difficult, especially in the Christian community, because there, and I'm not, I know that God is love, but we need to understand that you know, there are healthy boundaries. There do need to be boundaries. And it's not that you don't love them. It's, it's that you need to do what's safe and healthy for your mind, your spirit, 
And if they, because they may not want to change, they may not be able to change. And you need to move forward with what God has for you. Yeah, speaking of change, how has God changed you personally from the inside out? He's given, and that's part of why my, my book is called From Darkness to Understanding. Because even though I knew something was wrong as, as a youngster, I have within the last, I want to say since 2015, I've done a lot of research. There's, you know, Christian and secular uh, information on all this. And it's just been like light bulbs going. I was like, oh, okay. You know, this is why this person did this or this person did that. Maybe not specifics to their specific reasoning, but I began to understand the dynamics of all this. And it helps you to grow and say, okay, they're not going to change. They have these patterns, but I can you know, what does God have for me? That is good. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of times we let people affect the way we are and the, how we react and, and what we realize or what we must realize is that we can change uh, through yes. the power of the Lord in us. We can change. We don't have to keep the cycle going. So were you able to break those generational we can break the generational yeah. curses. That's right. So uh, I know you don't have contact with him, but were you able to forgive your dad? Yes. Yes. My, like I had mentioned my, uh, during that year that I was at home, God gave me one, I'll mention one specific thing. Um, it really helped me when God showed me my dad through his eyes, like what he saw. And uh, one of them was a, one of the poems in the book is about a skeleton and it's about my dad. I was this uh, dream about this skeleton. And the only thing that you could see in flesh, I guess you could say, were the eyes. And they were just, you know, roving back and forth. There was nothing, there was a frame, but there was nothing to him. There was nothing there. There was no heart. There was no flesh. There was no sinew, you know? And so God let me know um, these things. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say a pity or you know, sympathy is the right word or whatnot, but no, I do not hate my father, but I have had to place very strict, no contact and um, boundaries that if he does these things, this is what's going to happen. Well, I'm hoping that your father, too, will heal, Coral, that he will uh, allow the Lord's love to penetrate his heart and convict him about some of the behavior that he has had in the past. We only have just a short time, but I just want you to uh, say and tell us about how writing your poetry has helped you heal as well. Yes, yes, that is a gift from the Lord, right? Sorry, I'm getting bright sunlight here. Um, so <laughs> um, poetry helps you. It, 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 any writing really, it, a lot of people have said, you know, who've gone through narcissistic abuse, um, writing things down will help you uh, with your thoughts because a lot of the times people who have the personality disorder who do not recover from it, they, they may improve with counseling, but they never um, heal, I guess, your wording from it. Um, but you can record like okay this is what I was thinking and feeling because you get spun around so much um somebody used the the term of basketball like spinning 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 it, it helps helps you center your thoughts and and concrete your thoughts and how you what you were thinking and what you were feeling and it gives you time with the Lord to to be able to 
speak verses and stuff to yourself. That is so good, Coral. I am a writer and I think writing is healing to write, write it down in a journal to, to, to write a book or to write poetry like you're writing. I think everyone needs to be writing because I think it's a, it's an opportunity to really place your feelings on paper. Well, Coral, thank you so much for joining me on Pop Talk. (laughs) Coral's book is called A Heart of Ink, A Journey from Darkness to Understanding. If you want to reach out to Coral, you can email her at Eternal Feather Film at Yahoo.com. Eternal Feather Film at Yahoo.com. And I hope you will reach out to us here at Pop Talk. This program is produced by Pearls of Promise Ministries, a ministry that helps women overcome past and current dysfunction. You can email us at info at pearlsofpromiseministries.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pop Talk Media or at Pearls of Promise. We're on Instagram at pop underscore ministries. So that is Pop Talk for today. I'm just an ordinary girl who God turned into a pearl. Have a beautiful week. Coming soon at the Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Florida, the first annual Solwyn Women's Conference. Hear 20 plus inspiring speakers that will transform you, shift you into your divine path. Mark your calendars, ladies, June 21st to the 23rd. Three full days of fellowship, worship, encouragement, and supporting local female business owners. When your soul prospers, so will your health, your finances, and your relationships. I need a lot of time trying to figure it out. You're stronger than you think. God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to understand the blessing. It's time to be healed in your soul, know your true worth, and be all you were beautifully and wonderfully made to be. Purchase your tickets now for this life-changing event at www.soulwindconference.com. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on Soulwin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. Soulwin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.